Welcome to Locked On Blackhawks for Monday, January 6th. My name is Jay Zawoski. Locked On Blackhawks is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for tuning in. The Blackhawks defeat the Detroit Red Wings 4-2 Sunday night at the United Center. It was not as easy of a game as it maybe could have been or should have been, but we will break it all down throughout the show. Remember, tomorrow's show, Tuesday's show, is Talk Back Tuesday, so get those questions in today. Voicemail, 708-653-0572. Email LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. My personal Twitter account is at jayzawoski670. The Locked On Blackhawks Twitter account is at LO underscore Blackhawks. And make sure you check out the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, my other Hawks podcast, uh, at Madhouse Pod. I know I promised an episode Friday or Saturday. I've got a little bit of an off-ice issue <laughs> if you want to put it that way, some uh, my dad's in the hospital. I think he's doing okay, but uh, it's a little touch and go at the moment. So I was not able to get one done um, over the weekend, a Madhouse podcast. And if anything, if you're missing an episode this week, that's probably what's it's probably why. But uh, I'll do my best to stay on schedule and communicate with everybody if there's any changes in plans. But plan is to be here all five days this week. And uh, anyway, all right, let's talk about. This Blackhawks game, when we talked last week, I had a concern that the Hawks might come into this game and overlook the Red Wings. This has been something they've done, um, you know, when they've played lesser opponents this season. They've kind of come in assuming they're going to beat them, assuming they're going to win. And look, the Red Wings are a really, really bad hockey team. Uh, They're kind of, when it's all said and done, might be historically bad. And I was a little bit afraid of the Hawks' level of engagement coming into this game. They also had two days off before it, so they didn't have the immediate bad taste of the Vancouver game in their mouths to sort of bounce back from. And I think the first period, my fears were sort of realized a little bit. You saw the Hawks come out a little bit flat. And when I say their compete level was low, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, Winning, this is included in there, but it's not limited to winning board battles, checking the opponent, you know, battling for pucks. The the other part of it is attention to detail, making good, crisp passes, exiting the zone, making the smart play, making the right play. The first part of that first period was a little bit sloppy. The Red Wings scored on the power play three minutes and 21 seconds into the game. Philip Sedina, who was a sixth pick a couple years ago. Scored his fourth of the year. It was a great shot. Zadina is going to be a really good hockey player for a long time. Nothing Corey Crawford could do about that goal. Then late in the first, Luke Lindenning scores. He's diving out and deflects a puck in midair. And then it takes a few minutes into the second, 15 minutes into the second period for the Hawks to even get on the board. But then right away, Strom, and then what, 45 seconds later, Dylan Secura finally, 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 Scores his first goal, and man, you could see the relief in Dylan Secura's face when that puck went in. He had a wide open net. There was no way he was going to miss that shot, and you could just see the relief in his eyes, and I thought it was really great. After that goal was scored, Eric Gustafson just grabbed him and hugged him and held him in the air. You know, these guys are feeling for Dylan Secura, who has shown some offensive flash, has had some good scoring chances, and just has not had the luck 
Really, really happy to see Sakura get that first goal, and he almost scored again later in the game. He had a uh, he was hit with a pass by Kane right in front, and it just went wide. So really solid game for Sakura. We'll get to all these things in the pluses and minuses, but I want to isolate on Sakura's performance and especially that first goal. What a relief that must have been for him. And then Adam Boquist with the game-winning goal with 8:37 gone, 8:47 gone in the third period. Uh, just you know. That's what you like to see, him activating, him skating around a defender and using that great wrist shot he has. That was Adam Boquist in a nutshell. If you want to show people in one play what Adam Boquist projects to be, that's it. Great hands, great vision, great speed, and a really good shot. He was activating way more than usual in this game. And to me, this is the story of last night's game. You had, for the first time in a long time, your young players do the work. Kane got his point. Taves got his point. You know, Duncan Keith got a point. Those guys did their job. They contributed. But your goal scorers were Dylan Strom, Dylan Secura, Adam Boquist, and Dominic Kubelik, who now has 12 goals on the season. That's second most among rookies behind Olofsson from Buffalo. The young players did it, and it felt like night after night after night, it was the veteran players who had to carry the load. And yes, that's how it should be. That's why those guys are paid the money they're paid. That's why they're going to be in the Hall of Fame when they retire. But it was nice for one night for the Hawks' young... I don't know if you say all those guys are part of the young core, but Strom for sure, Boquist for sure. You know, I think to a lesser extent, Kubalik, and we'll we'll see about Dylan Secura, but those were the four goal scorers, and I thought that was meaningful. One other little news and note, I want to make sure everyone's aware of this. Kevin Lankinen was the backup goalie last night. Robin Leonard, as our suspicion sort of proved true after the Vancouver game, was a little bit banged up, couldn't go. He's day-to-day. Corey Crawford got the start and looked a little rusty to start, but then settled down as things went on. Um, but the Hawks might be without Robin Leonard for a couple days here, uh, hopefully not longer than that because they need him. But uh, that's something to keep an eye on. We, he was indeed banged up, and uh, it, it did show that he was in a lot of pain in that Vancouver game when his knee twisted. So hopefully it's nothing too long-term. It doesn't feel like it just at this point. The fact that Lankinen was called up so close to the game probably tells me they, they had maybe a thought that Leonard would be able to go and they're just being precautious. Hopefully that's the case. Hopefully that's uh, that's the situation, and Robin Leonard will be back sooner than later. But look, Corey Crawford's playing well enough. He can carry the load for a little while, and if you want to give Kevin Lankin in a start, go for it. You know, you've got Anaheim Saturday. Hopefully Robin Leonard will be back by then, but Calgary tomorrow night, Nashville on Thursday. So there's some opportunities. I wouldn't mind giving Kevin Lankin in a start. I think he might be their future in net. I know Colin Delia came up last year and played pretty well, but I think when they look at their future and goal, Kevin Lankin is probably a more realistic future option down the road for the Blackhawks. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day as we do after every game. We will go down the pluses and minuses, but first want to give you a reminder, tomorrow's show, Talk Back Tuesday, some voicemails already rolling in. 
get them in now 708-653-0572 for the best quality and the easiest option go on your phone open up your voice memos app record it and just email that to lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com it sounds wonderful sounds great doesn't have the static from a phone line so that is the preferred method if you want to shoot me a tweet i'll find one or two of those too at lo underscore blackhawks but without further ado let's get to the pluses and minuses for last night's 4-2 win over the hated and lowly Detroit Red Wings. And yes, I'm going to keep calling them the lowly Red Wings because you haven't really been able to do that for like 30 years. So it's, t- it's time for them for their comeuppance. They were good for too long, damn it. And part of me, before we get to pluses and minuses, let me take this aside. Part of me has developed a bit of a fondness for the Red Wings because... I used to hate them with all my heart and soul, and now they're gone, right? The Hawks play them twice a year, and the only way they're ever going to meet in the playoffs again is if they meet in the Stanley Cup final, which would be great. That'd be amazing, but I miss the rivalry. I miss the hatred, and I just can't. It's not only that the Red Wings are bad. It's just that they don't matter as much to the Blackhawks, and I didn't really get the opportunity as a Hawks fan to relish and the Hawks being a lot better than Detroit. You know, it just, that really didn't happen. So I wish they were back in the West, or I wish the Hawks had moved to the East. That'd be ideal. Um, But I do miss the rivalry, so I guess indirectly, I miss the Red Wings. All right, let's get to the pluses and minuses of the game. First plus for me, Dylan Secura. First NHL goal, 9.39 of ice time. Had another nice scoring chance later in the game, getting the monkey off his back. Hopefully this can open up the floodgates for him a little bit. I like his game. I like the I like what he brings. And yeah, he's kind of more of the same of the smallish speedy forward. But guess what? They don't have anything else that's NHL ready in the minors. It's not like he's holding someone out of the lineup. It's not like there's someone else who should be playing over Dylan Secura. Alex Nylander, maybe, considering how much the Blackhawks gave up to get him. In Henry Yokoharu, who's doing well in Buffalo. But aside from Nylander, there's really no one. I mean, you know, John Quenville's been playing a lot for the Hawks, and he, he's been okay. He's brought some energy. Uh, he seems to have kind of a, how do I put this, like an understanding of the game, an awareness of the game. And while he doesn't have the high-end skill, he knows where to be. It seems like he knows the system well. So I liked what he's had a little bit too. And look, Alex Nylander, for as much as I was rooting for him, had a huge opportunity to win a first-line job. He was given more opportunity than he should have been given. And now he's found himself on the outside looking in, even with Andrew Shaw out and Brandon Sod out. Nylander has now found himself behind Quenville and Sakura, at least for now, on the Hawks' depth chart. So props to Dylan Sakura, props to... Uh, John Quenville for how they've been playing so far. Going to give another plus in this game to to uh, Adam Boquist. 20-32 of ice time. Three shots on goal. Another shot attempt of his was blocked. Made some nice defensive plays as well. That second good scoring chance he got after he scored. It was in the third period. Had another good scoring chance, another good look. Then busted back and made a really nice defensive play. His game is rounding out, and I think I mentioned this last week. You're seeing him get a little more involved offensively, and when he's doing that, 
you could tell he's feeling the confidence. Last season on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, as we were talking about Henry Yokoharu's development, yeah, he was playing fine, and he was staying afloat. But you could see, and, and people in the organization told me, that he is giving everything he can do just to hang, just to be able to stay out there and play competent defense. Boquist has started to show that extra element of his game offensively. I think part of it is that he's playing for Jeremy Cowden and not Joel Quenville. And I know Quenville really liked Yokoharu, but I also think that Boquist is probably getting a little more slack than Yokoharu got last year. So he's starting to feel a little more confident. I think the power play time has helped him a lot. 5.44 of power play time last night against Detroit. That is the most on the team. Adam Boquist is out there more than Patrick Kane on the power play. That instills confidence in him, helps him believe in himself a little more. And I know some of that stuff is a little bit overblown. But look, you're seeing it. The eye test is showing you. And we'll get into the numbers later. The numbers are telling you Adam Bogus is playing his best hockey as a pro. Next plus, Jonathan Taves, who continues to play really, really well for the Blackhawks. 21-11 of ice time, had an assist, a plus two, four shots on goal, four more shot attempts, 64% of his faceoffs he won. This is what Taves has to be, a point. Two plus, you know what I mean? Like he's got to be generating, and what we're seeing from Jonathan Taves lately, when he's been part of the pluses more often than not over the last what 10, 15 games, I would say, you're seeing him really work his ass off, falling down to win pucks, laying out his body to get in the way of plays. Today, that penalty I called on him was weird. He was tripped, and as a result of the trip, he tripped somebody. It's <laughs> kind of a BS call, but whatever. Uh, you know, you don't want to see him get penalties, but I think he's playing his best hockey of the year lately. And look, everything happens with Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane with an assist, 21-02 of ice time. Did not have a shot on goal. Interesting. So those are my pluses. As for the minuses, nothing really stood out as terrible to me. I think the start of the game is what bothered me the most. The Hawks like I feared, came out sort of not ready to go. They were a little bit lackadaisical. They were a little bit, you know, I don't know, sloppy with the puck, sloppy with their passes, sort of assuming victory, and that's uh, that drives me crazy because by now they should have the message that they are not an elite team. They're a team that needs to come out and play hard every night to have a chance and and last night was another reminder of that fact. There is no team the Blackhawks can take lightly. And we've seen it. When they play good teams, they don't. They come out ready, they are focused, and they can hang with good teams. It's when they play these lesser teams, at least in their minds, and look, Detroit's a lesser team to everybody. When they play lesser teams in their minds, they don't come out quite as sharp, quite as ready to go. Part of that's on Jeremy Cowlton and his coaching staff. They've got to remind those guys. The 2010s are officially over. So get that out of your mind. There's no team you're going to come out and clown anymore. You've got to come out. You've got to compete. You've got to try hard. You've got to be sharp. You've got to be on point to get two points in this league, no matter who the opponent is. 
It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here. The Blackhawks defeat the Detroit Red Wings 4-2 on Sunday night. They now move to 19-18-6 on the season. They are 7-3-0 over their last 10. Looking at the wild card situation, Edmonton holds the top wild card spot with 49 points. They and the Calgary Flames have identical records of 22-17-5. Edmonton gets the edge on goal differential. They're a minus 7. Calgary's a minus 11. So those two have the one and two wild card spots. Winnipeg is 22-16-4. They've got 48 points. Minnesota, 46. Nashville, 44. And the Hawks, 44. But Nashville's played three fewer games than the Hawks. So this game coming up on, well, look. Tomorrow's game against Calgary and Thursday's game against Nashville, two big opportunities to make some moves in the wild card standings. It's January. I can't say it's a make or break part of the season, but look, you've got this softer part of the schedule coming up. They've got to take advantage of it. They've got to stack some wins here. And look, they're seven and three over the last 10. That's great. But that Vancouver game slipped away. It should be eight of the last 10, right? So hopefully they can make this up against Calgary, against Nashville, make some moves in the West. Then they've got the last place Anaheim Ducks on Saturday. So some opportunities for some points here. They got to take at least four of these next available six. You've got to make some, this is the time when you've got these head-to-head matchups with the teams you're behind, you have to win them, especially Nashville on Thursday because of the three games in hand they have on you. You've got to go ahead and win those games. All right, let's go down the number line, taking a look at the Hawks' win over Detroit from Sunday night. Hawks with a big Corsi advantage the entire game, 56.98 Corsi for percentage, 49 shot attempts for, 37 against. By the way, the shots on goal, the Hawks outshot the Red Wings 27-21. Shots were 12-8 in the first, 6-5 in the second, and 9-8 in the third Hawks winning all three of those periods as far as shots on goals go. So as far as the Corsi goes, first period, Hawks were 55.17. Second period is when they really came on with a 69.23. That's huge. That's a huge number. 18 shot attempts for eight against. And then the third, Detroit had a slight advantage, 48.39. 15 shots for the shot attempts for the Hawks, 16 for Detroit. And like I said, a game total of 56.98. When we look at some of the individual performances, Dominic Kubalik and John Quenville led the team. Kubalik was 71.88, Quenville 71.43. DeBrinket, Taves, Strom, Boquist, Murphy, all over 60%, which is terrific. Adam Boquist, 61.76, 21 shot attempts for 13 against when he was on the ice. Gustafson, Doc, Kane, Secura, Keith, all over 55%. The only Blackhawks under 50%. Dennis Gilbert at 43.75. Ryan Carpenter at 40.91. Oli Mata, 37.50. Zach Smith, the new father, 37.50. Matthew Highmore, 35.71. And David Kampf, 33.33. That's a bad number against a really bad team. And it's one thing to say, like, well, you know, he was defending. Fine. It's still the Detroit Red Wings. They're not great. 
no one in a game against a team like this should have a Corsi number in the 30s. But we're picking Nit. <laughs> it's a win. A win's a win. And it felt like a trap game going into it. And I'm glad the Hawks were able to work their way out of it and uh, and get the win and come back. Man, as that second period was going on, and it was still 2 nothing, still 2 nothing forever, the Hawks were getting their chances. They were hitting posts. They were getting good looks. But they just couldn't get it past. Once Strom scored, it kind of felt like, all right, here we go, right? Kind of had that feeling of, okay, the puck's in the net. And I was texting the whole game with um, my buddy who's a Red Wings fan, and he said, watch, they're going to fall apart after the Strom goal. 45 seconds later, it happened, and uh, Hawks win 4-2. By the way, speaking of the Red Wings, if you have Amazon Prime Video, I was not aware of this until today. The Bob Probert Tough Guy documentary is on there. So go check it out. It's called Tough Guy. I don't know. If you type in Bob Probert, it'll pop up. Really cool documentary. I'm I'm only in the beginning stages. I was trying to watch it uh, when I was with my dad today, but I just didn't, you know, I'm just too scatterbrained in that situation. But I'm going to watch it very, very soon. And really good start. Like the first 15, 20 minutes were great. It was about Probert's rivalry with Domi. That's how it starts with Ty Domi. And then it gets into his childhood where his father was, you know, your typical father of that era. He was a Windsor cop. Then Proby's father died. And then the day after the funeral is when Probert went to junior. So that's where I'm at in the documentary right now. I can't wait to see where it goes. I read the book, so I know the story. But uh, if you're in the mood for a good hockey documentary, check out Tough Guy, the Bob Probert story. That's on Amazon Prime Video. I'm not sure if it's anywhere else. But that's where I found it, uh, so make sure you check that out. All right, one more homework assignment, obviously. As it's Talk Back Tuesday tomorrow, get those questions in. Get those emails in. And like I said, the best way to do it is record that voice memo and send it to LockdownBlackHawks at gmail.com. want to get your voices on here. I, I love the emails, and if you're too shy to get your voice on, I understand that. But when there's other voices on the podcast, it sounds terrific. So really hoping we can get a lot of voicemails and voice memo sent for Talk Back Tuesday. Again, phone number 708-653-0572. LockdownBlackHawks at gmail.com is the email address. And, of course, you can send a tweet to at LO underscore Blackhawks. Make sure, by the way, you've subscribed to both my Hawks podcasts, uh, this one and the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Those subscriptions really help. And ratings and reviews also help. Five-star ratings and, and nice positive reviews. That helps all if you if you enjoy a podcast, whatever it is, if it's mine, if it's someone else's, make sure you leave a five star review and some positive comments. Uh, Apple sort of has a monopoly on uh, podcasts, so good reviews, five star ratings move those podcasts up their charts. That makes those podcasts more visible, and once that ball of momentum gets rolling, it's hard to stop. So uh, would really appreciate that help from you guys, and of course get those Talk Back Tuesday questions in. All right, that's gonna do it. For this edition of Locked on Blackhawks, thanks so much for tuning in. Locked on Blackhawks is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day will talk to you on Tuesday for Talk Back Tuesday. <laughs>